Today's episode is brought to you by the Tax Defense Group. The team of professionals at the Tax Defense Group are passionate about helping taxpayers resolve their tax debt. Their services include basic tax preparation, tax audits, resolving large tax debt, and more. They actively represent taxpayers throughout the entire USA. If you need help resolving your tax issues, contact the Tax Defense Group. Call the Tax Defense Group today at 800-850-7973 to get started. That number again is 800-850-7973, and you can visit them online at thetaxdefensegroup.com. Are you thinking about starting a business or a side hustle? For all businesses to be successful, you need a website. Rider Junkie offers website development, content writing, and SEO services for business websites. Call Rider Junkie today at 805-587-7966, and you can visit them online at riderjunkie.com. We recently launched our website, ucaststudios.com. With articles about sports, special interest topics, and more, we have some cool stuff on our site. To read our content, please visit ucaststudios.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Lakers Outsiders podcast brought to you by UCAS Studios. I'm your host, Gary Kester, here with you as always. And with me now, pretty much as always, is Hani Amadian. Hani, this is our first podcast talking about the playoffs, and it's not going to be a very positive podcast. How do you feel about that? Uh, listen, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, no, honestly, I, I'm pretty excited still. It was uh, definitely not the ideal way to start uh, the playoffs after seven years of not being in it um, and eight years of not winning a game in it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, things could be better, but I am I'm still really excited to watch them play basketball and get excited. Yeah, I mean, plus you get to be excited that your Raptors are up 2-0 <laughs> in their series. So, I mean, that's good news yeah. for you. They almost graduated from losing uh, game one of every series to win, losing game two. It was, yeah. it was pretty shaky today. I I don't even recognize them. <laughs> They're up 2-0 in the first round. It, it seems weird. So uh, it, it, it just shows the veteran savviness of both the Lakers and the Bucks as the number one seeds to lose their first games uh, yesterday. So that you know they know that is the path to winning a championship is to lose your first game to a worse team. Real title contenders lost game one. That's all I'm going to say. Exactly. So, sorry, Orlando Magic, you guys aren't real title contenders. contenders. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, we're going to talk about game one of the playoffs. We were going to do this last night, but Hani and I both had to be up early, and NBA referees wanted to make sure that we could not pod last night by calling approximately 900 fouls in the game uh, <laughs> last night. But I'm recording this. Uh, Lakers fall in game one to the Portland Trailblazers. 100 to 93, so it puts a lot of pressure on my prediction of Lakers in five. <laughs> Hani still got a little bit of wiggle room, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's uh, we're we're skating on the edge for my prediction so far, but I still got faith, still got faith. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today, and we're going to look basically kind of recap game one, and then kind of look ahead to game two on on what we think may happen in that game. Maybe I should make a prediction I don't think is going to happen, and maybe <laughs> the opposite will happen. So. Uh, we'll have to see, but 
As always, guys, before we jump in, uh, be sure to follow us on uh, social media. You can follow Lakers Outsiders on Twitter and Instagram, at Lakers Outsiders. You can like us on Facebook. And, of course, you can get all of our content up on LakersOutsiders.com. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe to UCAS Studios and Lakers Outsiders on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, wherever on there so be sure to subscribe and uh you can follow honey on twitter at honey a h m that's h-o-n-i-a-h-m i guess i should spell it out just to be safe uh i don't think raptors outsiders is up and running just yet but keep an eye out for that i still i haven't checked it might be so i apologize if it is and you can follow me on twitter at gary kester so all right honey lakers lose game one down uh down a game so plenty of plenty of time to go, but how how concerned are you when you kind of combine the lackadaisical performances in the seeding games combined with this game that we saw last night? Uh, definitely a little bit more concerned than I was heading into the playoffs, um, but it's also not super unpredictable that they lost that game. I think judging by how they played in the seeding games, uh, like you said, they had been kind of lackadaisical. Their shooting has been just god awful, um, and you could kind of sense that they had been going through the motions for eight games while the Blazers on the other side, as uh, I think Frank Vogel might have even said this, that they'd basically been playing game sevens for two weeks straight. Um, so, you know, on, on one hand, obviously there's the fatigue factor with the Blazers and the Lakers should eventually be able to take advantage of that because they've been playing every other day for uh, however long it's been uh, since the end of July. Um, but on the other hand, it's that they have that rhythm, that sort of like, uh, you know, the, the focus that the Lakers haven't really had yet because they're, they've been waiting to flip that switch. Um, it's also kind of a staple of LeBron, uh, LeBron James teams to either lose game ones or look a little bit shaky in game ones. Uh, he specifically, I think despite a really great stat line yesterday, didn't look super aggressive at times. And I think that's just his way of kind of feeling out the opponent in game one. Um, so because of that stuff, I'm not super concerned, but it's really funny because, and I was thinking about this earlier that you could kind of convince your, yourself either way on, on one hand, the Lakers shoot like just absolute garbage from three and they shoot awfully at the rim and they only lose by seven and they're up six in the fourth quarter before they kind of unravel. And then on the other hand, I could I could make it seem way worse by saying the Blazers didn't need a good offensive night to win this game. They only scored 100 points. I believe it's their uh, lowest scoring game in a win all season, if I had that stat correctly. Um, so that, that stuff is a little bit concerning. Scoring only 93 points on a team that is just awful defensively, but I think by far the worst defensive team in the playoffs. Um, that's that's concerning but uh, at the end of the day i think you know my level of concern has raised a little bit uh not not necessarily for this series i think they should be fine in this series uh they got they got a lot of great looks offensively and i think they'll start to knock those down at least at the rim if, if not from three um and even the, that should be enough but <clears throat> moving forward in the second round if they end up playing the rockets I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit worried about that series now yeah, I mean, my level of concern definitely got kicked up a notch <clears throat> in this game because, um, you know, I thought, you know, we'd see the Lakers flip a switch, right? We, we'd see them come out aggressive, ready to go. Like, this is what they've been waiting for. It's the playoffs. Time to crank it up and, like, let's roll. Let's go after number 17. And they were sleepwalking through the first quarter. I mean, the effort just really wasn't there. They were settling for shots. 
and defensively they just look lost and I mean you saw it I mean they fell down by 16 points I believe early on in the game and uh, erased that deficit fairly quickly in the second quarter because it seemed like they started to wake up they started to get stops it got out and ran in transition got some easy buckets and it was like okay this is what we've been waiting on and then it just I don't know they just kind of couldn't seem to get over the hump and then they finally did and they're at 81 10 minutes left and then it's like they just hit a wall i think they were outscored 19 to 6 from that point on and i thought a big shot in the game was um you know a lot of people are talking about lillard's threes obviously those are just haymakers that really land right on your chin i thought mccollum's three to make it 87 84 was huge because i thought the lakers played excellent defense on that possession and he yeah. hit a really tough three that really kind of halted the lakers momentum a little bit and you know, so you got to give credit. I mean, Portland just executed better down the stretch. Um, and they, I mean, honestly, deserve to win the game. The Lakers have just got to make shots. You know, I was encouraged. You know, obviously, you, you don't like the slow start. Offensively, 37 points in the second half. That's not going to cut it. When we previewed this series, we talked about how bad Portland's defense has been, giving up, I think it was 122 points a game coming in um, in these seeding games. I think they said this was like the third time all year that they've held a team under 100 points. Uh, that's pretty sad <laughs> for 100 on this team when pretty much like everybody else has. So I thought the defense was pretty good um, after the first quarter. I mean, you give up 36 and then you give up second quarter 21, third quarter 21, fourth quarter 22. Like that's going to get it done if you play defense like that. But man, they got to make open shots. Like the shooting percentages were so bad. And I mean, it was encouraging that I think they're getting looks for guys that are capable shooters, KCP, Danny Green. You know, these guys, these are guys that, you know, can hit threes, um, have, you know, proven it in time and time again in their careers, uh, especially Danny Green. You know, he's hit him in, in a lot of playoff games and he just he hit a couple, but just struggled. KCP was 0 for 9, I believe, from the field uh, overall as a team. I mean, they shoot 35 percent from the field, 5 for 32 from the three point line, just absolutely putrid. And 20 for 31 from the free throw line. And that was kind of a big deal in the fourth quarter. Uh, AD misses a pair and then LeBron missed a pair um, back to back. So left four points on the board, totally changed the game. So I thought there was a lot of a lot of self-inflicted mistakes, which I think, you know, was kind of to be expected given this team only really cared about a few of those seeding games. Um, and then just kind of it treated it like preseason the rest of the way. And you know, it's frustrating, you know, and obviously, you know, we're, we're thirsty for a playoff win. We haven't seen it out of the Lakers in several years, but I don't think it's time to hit the panic button just yet. I thought there were a lot of positives to the game. Uh, there were a lot of negatives, yes, but there are also a lot of positives, but uh, definitely some things that they have to adjust and, you know, just be better at going forward. So um, with, I mean, with that kind of idea in mind, I guess what is, is kind of at the what kind of comes to your mind first when you think about um, adjustments that the Lakers need to make for game two? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple of obvious things. Uh, one is that, uh, you know, they're still kind of playing that same starting lineup with AD and JaVale. Uh, I thought JaVale had a pretty good game yesterday um, and his activity was actually really useful and, and he got some second chance opportunities and got a block in there and, you know, I thought he played a good game, but on the other hand, it's not really his fault, but it's just that the spacing of the team is awful when, when he's in there along with AD. And it kind of turns AD into a jump shooter, which he's struggled with uh, all season long. 
and you're not really getting them going downhill at the rim as much because there's there's always a second guy at, in the paint. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I don't think Vogel is going to make that adjustment yet to to bench JaVale. Um, but I think it's coming, and I think it's only going to take another game or two of them being poor defensively for him to get benched. Um, you know, I thought he he and Dwight, I thought, played really good. Uh, but, you know, it's just it, it's really difficult to play with those two big lineups. Um, and this was against the team that was also playing two bigs at, for times, mm-hmm. at times. They were playing Nurkic and Whiteside. Um, but, you know, it, it's really difficult to score in that way. Um, the other thing I think is, you know, you're not getting anything from your starting backcourt right now. Uh, KCP was basically at zero uh, all game. And Danny Green, uh, I thought he came on a little bit late in the game. Uh, he had a couple of threes and, and had some really, uh, a couple of really good defensive possessions, possessions late in the game when they were trying to uh, stay in it. But, uh, you know, if you're not getting enough out of those two, and, you know, you need them for the spacing, but I think... I, I want to see a little bit more of that lineup uh, that the Lakers have been playing, and they played it a little bit yesterday, where they have basically four bigs on the floor, where AD is the center, but they have uh, LeBron, Kuzma, and Markeith Morris in there. Um, and I think right now it seems like uh, Morris and Kuzma are just more dangerous weapons offensively. Um, and, and their gravity seems to be a little bit bigger, plus they can put the ball on the floor if they get closed out on. And um and try to drive to the rim which is something that you know danny's not great at kcp is a little bit better but he had some wild attempts at finishes yesterday um you know i don't know if that would work because it's just such an odd lineup and that means that kuzma would probably be guarding a two guard and that's not necessarily his strength despite his improved uh defense but you know i think it's worth at least a little bit of a look yeah i my uh I guess my main adjustment, I kept kind of thinking probably over the last 24 hours or so now. Um, and it's not even really anything about JaVale, like specifically, like personally or anything like that. I just think it's a tough matchup for him because I think it's especially a tough matchup just to play two bigs in general. Mm-hmm. You know, I think basically AD needs to start at the five and I think Dwight needs to be the backup five and then JaVale can play kind of spot minutes here and there especially if guys get into foul trouble which Dwight did yesterday uh really was not not his day with the officials uh and you know I think he was kind of trying to be like an an annoyance to the Blazer Bigs a little bit and kind of baiting Nurkic and Whiteside a little bit but um I think it's just a tough matchup for JaVale just because Portland has has those guys those guards that if you play drop coverage or you you sag off at all off those yeah. pick and rolls, I mean Dame can pull up from 30 to 40 feet and he's efficient. I think I think uh, I can't remember who it was that tweeted out today that he's shooting like 40 percent on like 30 something footers uh, this season, which yeah. is ridiculous. Uh, I think him and Steph are probably the only the only guys that I think could could hit that that efficiency level from that deep. Um, so it's you know it's just it's a tough matchup for him, and I think. Like you said, the spacing on offense when you have two bigs, and if it's um, if it's Dwight and Anthony Davis, I think you know it causes problems spacing wise. And I don't think you want Davis being a jump shooter that much. I mean, yeah, you you want that threat, but guys have got to make shots. Like ultimately, I think we have a very diff- different discussion if guys who are very capable of making threes hit threes. I think that's what kind of flipped the game a little bit in the second quarter was the Lakers got a couple threes. Morris hit a three. Um, I think Danny Green hit a three. Uh, 
couple guys did. And I mean, really, uh, that was pretty much it. There was only five that they made all game, but uh, it just, I mean, it changed everything. I mean, when you like in game two, really watch Portland's defense to start out because if the Lakers don't make threes, they're going to keep doing it. I was getting annoyed. I thought Portland got away with a little bit, some illegal defensive possessions where they have two or three guys just standing in the paint, guarding nobody. But that's what, I mean, they're basically copying the Raptors game plan. If AD catches the ball in the post, they're doubling him. And what I'd like to see AD do more, obviously we want to see more catches for him on the move. Um, it's kind of it was, it's kind of my complaint with Brandon Ingram uh, the past couple of years where I hated when he got the ball in like an ISO position where he catches the ball stationary. So much better when he gets the ball on the move. I think AD is kind of the same way. I would also like to see him just be more aggressive um, because I think there are times where, and I think Kenny Smith highlighted it at halftime. I thought it was a good point. There's too many times where he catches and he's almost waiting for the double to come. Um, even if there's he has an opportunity that if he just catches and goes, he's got one-on-one coverage. He's got room to operate. Sometimes he's just got to do that. He's got to be more aggressive, go to the basket. His 8 of 24 is not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we need a lot more out of him, and we know he's capable more. And, you know, I, I would expect that he bounces back in the second game. Um, I thought LeBron was pretty solid overall. I thought his passing was really good. Um, I feel like I'm going on and on about my whole long laundry list of adjustments. But when LeBron's not on the floor, I think Deion Waiters has got to be on the floor. I don't understand why Deion Waiters only played one minute, especially when the offense was and especially in the second half, um, which LeBron didn't sit much. Um, him, him and AD played quite a bit, but I would still, I mean, I would take a look at Deion when LeBron's not on the court, so you have that guy that can create some offense. And I would, you know, people might laugh at me when I say this, but I would take a look at J.R. Smith. If KCP's not making shots, see what JR can do with those same looks, yeah. you know, I mean, JR isn't going to be the the defender that KCP is. He's, I, I mean, I think he's average maybe defensively. I think he, you know, can, can guard certain players that Portland has, but if one guy's not making those shots, I mean, plug somebody else in that, in that spot and see if, you know, he can make them. And we know JR Smith is capable of, of getting hot and hitting three. So um, I don't know. I, you're down 1-0 in a series against a team that's red hot. And we we mentioned this you know, on the preview pod. Playing against a team that's been in playoff mode for two weeks already is dangerous, no matter how flawed they might be defensively. They're, they got a short rotation. They might be kind of t- a little tired, a little gassed, whatever. But if you don't make shots, like the Lakers keep shooting this way, and I mean, this has been kind of a problem in these bubble games. Got to make shots. That's that's what it ultimately comes down to. That's going to bring Portland's defense out. That's going to give LeBron more room to operate, AD more room to operate. It's just going to open everything up. So um, ultimately, it comes down to making more shots. But I I, I think the rotation's got to be a little bit better too. Uh, you know, I had some some gripes with the players. I also had some gripes with with Vogel. And I think me and you both have been very uh, positive um, about Vogel this year. I thought he's done a great job. I thought taking out Kuzma when he did um, yeah. Kuzma, I thought played a pretty solid game, you know, maybe had a couple four shots, but overall was pretty good on defense still and, and hit some, some timely buckets for him. Yeah. I just think they need to be better all, all around. Really. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought they had their C minus game and still had not been. So that in, in and of itself is encouraging, but definitely some work to do. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like, I don't think a single player on the team really played well. Uh, I mean, LeBron kind of sticks out, but I, I don't think he was at his best either. Um, I don't think AD was at his best, despite him getting to the line as much as he did. Um, 
and you know you're you're going to need a lot more out of your your three guards that you're playing or four if if Dion does end up getting some playing time, or if you know Rondo comes back. Uh, <laughs> man, the guards were so bad that I that I legitimately was thinking, man, I think they need Rondo for this series. I, I saw that tweet and I was like, okay, time for bed. <laughs> <laughs> It was, I, it I was thought David Chia rough. just hacked your Twitter account. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my Raptors outsiders co-host. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, honestly, you're you are right about those those non-LeBron minutes that they are really lacking uh, that secondary playmaker, and you know, I think it's becoming more and more obvious that that's not really Caruso's game. It's not really Kuzma's game. Um, and those are guys that you're playing off the bench because you need their energy off the bench because you need that depth. I think I think Kuzma would be a shoe in for a starter if Vogel wasn't worried about those minutes without LeBron, where um, you know there's there's nobody on the team that can really uh, create offense out of nothing. Um, so I, you know whether that's Dion or whether it's Rondo coming in honestly and, and creating some offense, doing some pick and rolls with AD, um, something that they did really well a couple of years ago uh, together. I don't know exactly what, what the fix is going to be, but um, those are those are really, really important minutes, especially because you know other teams are going to match their star minutes with LeBron because they want to be able to match uh, you know whatever he does offensively with them. So, you know, winning those minutes and, and, and the Lakers did win the minutes that uh, Dame didn't play yesterday by a pretty mm-hmm. big margin, I think, by like 12 points um, in like the seven minutes that he didn't play. Um, yeah, that was when they went on their big second quarter run was when he went to the bench and that really kind of got him going. Exactly. So, I, you know, those the, the playoff games are exactly like that. It's, you know, when you make those runs, there's crucial moments when, you know, when Dame is or whatever other star is and playing, you got to be able to make a little bit of a run and either extend a lead or cut into their lead. Uh, and then when LeBron is sitting, you've got to be able to at least hold steady so that when he comes back in and he's fresh, that then he can help you uh, push a lead or, or cut into a deficit or whatever. Um, you know, those, those little two, three minute stretches. And you talked about like the Kuzma one, he sat for like, uh, I think like three minutes, uh, in the fourth quarter after making a couple of momentum plays and the Blazers went on an 11 to three run. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was basically the game, uh, you know, so just winning those little stretches of the game are so, so crucial. And that's, I think to me, that's where it comes down to Vogel having the correct rotations uh, running the correct sets, you know, getting getting guys in in the right opportunities where they can keep uh, getting good looks, and then obviously the players have to make the looks. But you know, you can't have a five minute stretch where your offense is muddy and it's not really creating anything. That that's just brutal. You're not going to win playoff games if you do that. You might be able to win against the Blazers, but you know, you're not going to win against the Rockets doing that. You're not going to win against the Clippers doing that. Yeah, no, the offense definitely has to be more consistent. Guys have just got to make shots, uh, I think, is is a large part of it. Um, I think that really kind of started, I mean, really with the first Clippers game, I think we just kind of glossed over it a little bit because they ended up winning the game. Their defense was really good. But the Raptors game, it was pretty noticeable. I thought they generated a lot of open looks there. Guys just missed shots, Um, you know, and it's it's one thing if if this was, you know, they're generating shots for bad shots. Um, but guys like Danny Green, guys like KCP, Kuzma, uh, AD, even capable shooters from the perimeter, guys have just got to make shots when they're open. Um, I think yeah. I can't remember who it was that highlighted on Twitter. Uh, I think they were like two of 16 on their 
threes that were considered open or wide open or something like that. Yeah. Um, I can't, I, I, Really, that, that, I think that was the wide open shots because I, I looked it up today uh, and I don't have exactly how many they made, but I think they shot 32% on open or wide open shots and they generated 41 of those. So, yeah. And yeah, then on top was, of that, uh, they shot 24 or 43 within five feet of the rim. So if you're yeah. not scoring at the rim and you're not scoring from three, then that's, you know, not a, not a great sign. Yeah. Didn't, didn't cash in and transition either. Yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of transition opportunities really went to waste, and that's where this team really thrived. Like making out in transition and really dangerous. So um, yeah. it was frustrating, man. It was really really frustrating. I I really thought as that game kind of wore on a little bit, I really thought, okay, Portland has to get this one because if the Lakers win this game, despite how t- how bad they played, uh, yeah. I thought it was going to be bad news for Portland, but they they did get it. Uh, the Lakers are, you know, hopefully this wakes them up, man. Hopefully, you know, we see consistent energy and effort from the tip and not after they're down 16 points um, because that's what it's going to take. You know, this is the playoffs. This is big boy basketball. You're playing the best of the best. And especially this team. I mean, the Lakers should beat this team in a series. But, hey, sometimes the best team doesn't always win a series. And, and right now Portland's playing, you know, as much as, you know, we've kind of harped on their defense and, and some of their flaws and stuff. They're, they're winning games. That's I yeah. mean, that's the bottom line is that they're winning games. They're finding ways to get it done. And right now the Lakers just aren't. So, yeah. Uh, Got to wake, wake up. It's now, we, I feel like it, this has been uh, a very, very negative podcast. So let's look ahead to game two a little bit here. And uh, I guess kind of what's your gut feeling on, on what happens in game two? Feeling more optimistic? Because I, I kind of have a take. I, th- I think that's a little different than everybody else's. I- I'll keep the negative negativity going, I guess. But uh, we haven't discussed this, so I don't know what you're what you're thinking about game two. But uh, I'm curious to, curious to hear. Well, so I, I guess judging historically, I I think we're gonna see a little bit more of an aggressive LeBron from the start and less passive than he was. Uh, in game one where he was trying to get his teammates involved. He's always going to do that anyway because that's just the type of player that he is. But I think you're going to see him go to the rim a little bit more, try to get uh, you know some foul calls. I think something the Lakers did kind of poorly last game, and not, not that I want them focusing on this, but there were like four Blazers and uh, that had five fouls <laughs> at the end of the game and they didn't foul <laughs> any of them out. Uh, it didn't seem like they were really trying to uh, to force those guys to guard them without fouling. Um, and I think, you know, something that LeBron is great at and something AD is great at is getting to the free throw line. Um, to me, I don't think that's the type of game the Lakers want to play, the the slow, choppy game that they played in game one, because it limits transition opportunities. And they just seem like more than most teams, a rhythm team that they need they need to be running up and down the floor to to really play well offensively. And they're not a great half court offense uh, offense in general. Um, but I do think that, you know, getting some guys in foul trouble early, especially for a team that doesn't have depth would be huge. And I, and I think LeBron kind of knows that and knows that to win that game, he has to be able to set the tone in doing that. Um, so I think that's the number one thing I'm looking for. If that happens, I feel pretty good about a win. I don't think all their issues are going to be fixed in one game. I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they shot poorly again. I wouldn't be surprised if... They kept fouling the Blazers a lot, um, you know, or miss free throws or whatever. But I think they should be able to fix enough mistakes that that they edge out and, and win the game. And hopefully that's a good, 
a little bit of a stepping stone to the next couple of games where I think they would then be able to take care of business a little bit. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, I do think the Lakers win game two. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pretty confident in that. But, um, you know, I, I still am a little skeptical of people kind of assuming, oh, the Lakers, you know, played really poorly and still had a chance to win. I don't think Portland necessarily played their best game either. Yeah. I mean, they didn't shoot very well uh, from the field. Lillard, you know, had moments of, of his, you know, kind of unreal, unbelievable self. Um, but he, I mean, he's capable of more than that. Uh, I think Colin was capable of more. I mean, just a lot of these guys, you know, didn't shoot overly well. It was a very poor, poorly shot game from both sides. I didn't, I thought there wasn't a ton of rhythm. You know, I think that kind of threw a wrench in the plans for, for both teams. Um, both teams shot a lot of free throws and there was just a lot of whistles, but, um, I think it's dangerous just to assume that the Lakers are going to win just because, oh, they didn't play well and they had a chance to win game one. Mm-hmm. The thing I've kind of learned with just, I guess, watching playoff basketball, really, I mean, most of our most of our lives, especially because the Lakers are generally there. Um, every playoff game really has its own identity. Um, and I, I don't know why I kept thinking back to just seeing, you know, Laker fans. And I get it. I think there's reason to be confident that the Lakers win because ultimately I, I do think LeBron's going to be more aggressive. I think he's going to kind of probably will this team to a win. I think AD is going to be a lot better. I just think we're going to see a better effort and a better showing. Um, and I think if the Lakers bring their A game, you know, I think if both teams bring their A game, the Lakers are going to win every single time. Um, but I kept coming back to that 2011 series against the Mavs for some reason, where the Lakers <laughs> lost game one, and you kind of, it was kind of the same vibe. Like the Lakers didn't play very well. Kobe had a chance to win it at the end, just hits off back rim, dead on, doesn't drop, oh well. Lose game one at home, big deal. It's happened before. We saw it in 2009 where they were kind of shocked by the Rockets in the second round. One game two, one game three, and then kind of won the games that they needed to win in that series. Kind of assumed the same thing in that 2011 series against the Mavs, and game two comes out, and they, they laid an egg in that game. And then it was like, wow like it became real very quickly that it's like damn we just lost two games of course those were at home i mean there there are no home and road games now but and i'm not comparing this portland to that mavs team like i I don't want that to get confused i don't think this portland team is that mavs team that ended up winning the title that year um but it's it's just it's dangerous territory it, it really is, and I hope the Lakers aren't just assuming that, oh, you know, we didn't play well, we still had a chance. Like, they got to come out and bring it. You got to come out, you got to execute, you got to play with heart, energy, effort, and they, they got to actually want it. Like, they can't just assume we're fine, we're better than these guys, we're going to beat them. You know, that's just a dangerous mentality, and I think that 2011 Lakers team suffered from that a little bit, even though that Mavs team was really, really good. So, um, I don't know why I kept coming back to that, but I just think it's dangerous to assume based on this playoff game because every playoff game has its own identity. Like we've seen teams uh, just absolutely get obliterated in a playoff game and then win the very next game. So momentum may carry over from some game in certain situations in playoff series. Like if a team goes down Rio, a lot of times they um, and just get swept. I don't know what's going to happen here. I, I, like I said, I think the Lakers win the game. I think they're going to have a better showing. But I'm I'm very nervous because if they lose this game, it gets very real very quick. So uh, I think we're going to learn everything that we need to know about this Lakers team 
on Thursday night. They come out, they bring it, they answer, they respond. Great. That's what we expect. That's what we wanted to see. But if they don't, we got yeah. we got bigger problems to, to to think about. So Yeah. I mean, first of all, thank you for that very depressing answer. <laughs> those are some dark memories that I had shoved aside for the last uh, eight or nine years and they just came rushing back. If I Uber eats you like a Popeye's chicken sandwich, will you feel better? Yeah, but it won't let me. It won't make me forget Peja Stoyakovich. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're you are right. It does feel like we could get just a massive range of emotions if if they come out really strong and just blow out the Blazers. Then then you're looking at a team and you're like, man, these guys have that championship mentality. They messed around for a game, but now it's serious business and they're gonna go all the way. If they lose it, I, I don't know how confident I would be in them winning the series. Um, and for the Blazers, I think if you're the lower seed and you're a pretty heavy uh, you know, favorite to lose, I, I don't know, that's not the right word, but you know what I mean. Uh, They're the underdog Lakers. So <laughs> Portland's the favorite in this series. Yes, but you know, if, control the if, we were, if we were imagining that the eight seed Blazers were actually not the favorites to win, I think coming out and winning game one is just crucial. You don't, you don't win a series as the underdog uh, without winning game one. So, you know, for them, I think this was it was basically a must-win game, as, as much as it can be in a, in a game one. Um, so hopefully, you know, I, I want the Lakers to just answer. It's stupid because, like, every game is a must-win game in the playoffs. But it, it does feel like this should be a must-win game and that they should come into the game with that mentality. Because if you fall down 2-0, then you just don't know what's going to happen. There's going to be nights when Lillard might go for 60 and win another game. And then you're looking at three wins for the Blazers. So like you can't mess around um, mm -hmm. and you can't spot them, at, you know, a 16 point lead in the first quarter or whatever the hell it was. It's just, it's way too difficult to come back from that in the playoffs. So, you know, if they come out strong and, you know, who knows how that's going to work with a, a starting lineup that just hasn't really been good uh, the past couple of weeks, but you know, as as long as they don't fall down uh, by a lot to start and, and you can kind of see that they're playing well, they're playing well defensively and the offense is clicking, then I think they can pull through uh, just on the merit of, you know, having LeBron down the stretch and, and hopefully guys being a little bit more confident uh, heading into a fourth quarter if it's a close game. Yeah, I mean, this series could honestly go just a number of different ways. I mean, Portland could get red hot and the Lakers could be in trouble or we could see, you know, kind of what we saw with the 2001 NBA Finals where the Sixers shocked the Lakers in game one. That was the Lakers' first playoff loss, first and last playoff loss, and then they just reel off the next four in that series, and it's a gentleman's sweep, and they just dominate. And yeah. that's how this series could go. We don't know. Um, but I kind of I keep thinking about, like, March Madness, right? The NCAA tournament, when you see these upsets happen, usually the, the lower-seeded team or the worst-seeded team, I guess depending on – how you look at lower versus higher seed. Uh, basically, the underdog usually wins because they're right there the whole time or they're playing from ahead. Like, doesn't I feel like it doesn't happen a lot where the, the, the underdog that pulls off the big upset plays from behind and has to rally. Mm -hmm. but I, I mean, I'm 